And so, my fellow Americans, ask not what your country can do for you, ask what you can do for your country. Mr. Gorbachev, tear down this wall. You are listening to the Patriot Pastors Podcast, where we talk about today's issues from a pastor's perspective, as well as calling America back to the faith of our fathers. Without God, democracy will not and cannot long endure. We ever forget that we're one nation under God, then we will be a nation gone under. Here's your host, Wade Lentz and Harold Smith. All right, welcome to the Patriot Pastors Podcast. I'm Wade Lentz, pastor of Barrel Baptist Church in Bologna, Arkansas, and I'm joined with my co-host and good friend, Harold Smith of Van Buren, Arkansas. Harold, are, have you planted your garden yet? My raised beds are planted Everything else kind of looks like a rice paddy. I got three inches of rain the other day. Yeah. So there's nothing there. If it was there, it would probably have drowned. We're supposed to get three or four inches more of rain. And uh, so, yeah, rice would be a good good <laughs> crop right now. Well, I built the raised beds just because I wanted something small. But a lot of years, that's the only thing that's really produced because it, it would stay so wet. I never could get the ground broke up to get a, an in-ground garden in. Sure. And um, so the raised beds have a, a real benefit, but they also, you know, have a real limitation. So right. I, th- I think if you're going to try to grow vegetables consistently, you probably need to have a mixture of some raised beds that you can plant what you must have in, you know, and then mm-hmm. you need a bigger garden to plant what you want to can or freeze and that sort of stuff. So yes. we, we tend to keep peppers and tomatoes right out the back door. That way we can just grab them all summer. There you go. Have you bought fertilizer yet? I'm, this year? I'm, I'm nursing a hundred pound chlorine bucket full of fertilizer that I bought a few years ago. And uh-huh. I got some triple 13 on sale. I got some triple 10 on sale and I just kept buying it because I was finding a good deal. Yeah. And then I, I just mixed it all up in one big giant bucket. And, uh, I, I hope I don't have to buy any fertilizer because they say, if you can find it, it's sky high. It is. I, I was just talking to a farmer yesterday And last year he bought a ton of fertilizer for $200. This past week he paid $1,200 for a ton of fertilizer. Wow. And, uh, so this, uh, fertilizer shortage is going to be showing up, uh, in hitting our pocketbooks before too long. Farmers cannot, uh, you know, continue to purchase that much at one time of, you know, money like that, losing that in expense. So if, if that gets factored into the price of a bushel of wheat, that's going oh, to yeah. get factored into a loaf of bread. Yes. I saw farmers, and I live on the edge of the river bottoms. I'm not down in the low area, but I, I go through there a lot. And I saw farmers spreading chicken litter on their crop fields. Normally, they wouldn't put chicken litter in cropland. They'd put that on, on cow pastures and hay fields. Mm-hmm. But because of the rising price of of commercial fertilizer and the lack of it. One farmer said, I couldn't get any, I had to put something down. Yeah. And he was lucky to get 
chicken litter out of chicken houses. Sure, sure. Yeah, I'm, I'm hoping that somehow, some way that we as Americans can create our own fertilizer, utilize something that uh, maybe we've not used before, uh, instead of depending upon other countries that do not like us, that can cripple us. So uh, yeah. the less fertilizer that farmers have, the less yield that they're able to produce, the less food goes goes around. So it looks like we're heading into some difficult times unfortunately. And, and I'm not a prepper. I'm not a guy that's got, you know, buckets of beans and rice stored under my home for the end yeah. times or whatever. Right. But I do think it is time for you to plant a small garden. I think it is time for you to have a little bit extra in your shelf because man, just the sheer amount of shortages. I mean, I was looking at some electronics that I just thought I could go buy anytime. Mm-hmm. Those are not there. They're out of stock. I, I've right. looked at several things. I went to the grocery store and several items I just take for granted are there every week. Not there. And of course, we went through the toilet paper shortage, the pork shortage, um, potato famine. I mean, you name it. Yeah, it's like right. something different every time you turn around. Yeah, it's crazy. It is. It. Uh, I was telling our church yesterday that pretty much the same thing as, as you, you just said. You know, I'm not saying that you go out and and hoard things, but you do need to be prepared uh, that it it very well could be that you can't go to the store and buy a loaf of bread or a gallon of milk for a while. And and uh, until something changes and uh, we could talk a long, a long time about uh, a lot of the issues that's going on in our world today. And one of the one of the uh, benefits of uh, having the Patriot Pastors podcast is that just in the name alone that we are able to talk about patriotic things. We're able to talk about government issues and national issues, as well as talking about theological issues and church issues. And such is the case today. I know you have been doing a study on the qualifications of pastors. And, uh, you know, is, is everyone qualified to be a pastor just because they want to I obviously no. so why is that and so we're going to be digging deep into the qualifications of a pastor why they are there why did God in his sovereignty choose to lay out the qualifications for pastors that the church is to look at and to consider before they call someone to be their pastor so this this episode is going to be more theological in looking at the uh, the mandates that God gives ministers and Harold. So tell us a little bit about your your study that you've been leading your church in. Right. Well, I I first did this study at Lee Creek where I pastored for fourteen years, and I did it back in two thousand eighteen. Interestingly enough, I never ever dreamed I'd ever leave Lee Creek Baptist Church in Van Buren. I mm-hmm. I thought I would pastor there till I died. But the Lord had other plans for me, but I had a problem with the rhythm of my heart back about four years ago in 2018. My heart was going in and out of AFib. You know, it kind of dawned on me, hey, man, you're not immortal. You know, you could die at any given time. You've been here a long time. Maybe you should do a series and explain the role of a pastor. And so I started out, I was just going to cover some aspects, and then I backed up and covered the requirements and First Timothy 3, and then I covered the role, then I covered the resolve of a pastor, and then I just, this turned into an 11-part series mm-hmm. that dealt with 
you know, basically the slogan was prescribed for pastors what he must have to pastor the Lord's church. And I just filed it away and I told the church, hey, look, when I die, whoever ends up on the search committee, go get that that series off sermon audio and give it a listen. Yeah. Well, when the Lord called me into this ministry of helping churches find pastors going to, you know, churches in, in turmoil or in distress, that's all I'm going to be doing now. Basically, my ministry mm-hmm. is going to a pastorless church and helping them find a biblical pastor. So with that being said, I, I'm going to be relying on this series pretty heavily everywhere I go. If I stay long enough, this is what we're going to have to cover. Then I started getting resumes. I've been at, at the church I'm currently serving for a little over six months, and we've got some things established. You know, the church is starting to function the way a church should. Some issues have been resolved and healed, and we're ready to look for a pastor to come in and take off. The resumes that began to come in to my desk from people that were looking pastors, you know, here. Yeah. Clearly, most of these, well, I wouldn't say most of these, I've only got four or five, but many of them are not qualified. I can just tell by their resume, the way it's worded, mm-hmm. what they're saying. Um, you look at a pastor's work history, you know, why were you changing churches every six months, every year and a half? Yeah. How can you truly shepherd a group of people when you've never been with any flock longer than 18 months? Mm-hmm. And so I didn't think it would be hard. This is a really nice church. It's a decent sized church. They're able to, to pay a pastor a really good wage. I, I just assumed that we would have a lot of qualified candidates to sort through. Yeah. And what I'm finding, Wade, is that most of all of the candidates really we've received resumes from. You just start looking and and you think, no, I mean, this is not even, you know, it doesn't mean these guys couldn't go preach somewhere. It doesn't mean they couldn't fill a pulpit for a while or teach Sunday school. But Wade, we're talking about guys that have a long-term settled ministry in a community, in a congregation where they're going to be judged based upon their lifestyle. Mm -hmm. That's why these requirements are for a bishop, an overseer. That's what that means. Right. This is somebody that's going to be there a while. And so the reason the requirements are given is because by nature, you and I are offensive because our, our, our message is offensive. Mm-hmm. So we're going to get up every Sunday, sometimes Sunday night and Wednesday night, depending on how often we meet Sunday school, we're going to be required to exposit God's word, which calls everybody unequivocally a sinner. Mm-hmm. People don't want to hear that. No. And so the first thing they're going to do is they're going to say, you know what? You're not so good yourself. And they're going to look for some character flaw in you so they can dismiss your credibility, bring you down on their level and justify their sinful behavior. That's good. Now, I think that's very true as far as uh, uh, what I have dealt with, as far as the uh, people outside of the community here at, in Bologna, where I minister. Um, there are times that we put out a church sign that uh just really trouble some of these atheists and agnostics and you know they will go to my facebook page and they will look at something that maybe i posted and and twist it and say oh he he's a racist or he is you know this or that and so yeah you're right especially from the lost they're looking for something and if they could find something that had some foundation uh they would definitely use it to to wound and uh that's that's a good point there. Let me uh let me just read you 
1 Timothy chapter 3. I won't read verses 1 through 7, but let me just read you a portion of verse 7, and then I'll explain it. It says, Moreover, he must have a good report of them which are without. The pastor has to be well-respected by those outside of the congregation. That's what you just said, Mm -hmm. the lost. This doesn't mean that we're a people pleaser. It doesn't mean we don't preach on sin. It means that we don't have any charge they could lay against us. That's why when we get up there after the desire to be a bishop, he must be blameless. This means no skeletons in his closet. Mm -hmm. How many pastors do you and I know that are in a pulpit right now that have some grievous scandal in their past? Yeah. Whether they embezzled money, whether they ran off with a church secretary, whether they had an affair with a Sunday school teacher, whether Mm -hmm. they, you know, had a blow up in the church and didn't handle it as a Christian, that that baggage follows you where you go. Sure. And so, I mean, I was teaching on this, today's Thursday, I was teaching on this last night in the Wednesday night Bible study, and there it said that he couldn't be greedy for filthy lucre. Filthy lucre is ill-gotten gain. It's money that you cheated to get or you didn't earn honestly. It wasn't an honest living. Mm -hmm. And I said, look, your pastor, if he's going to work a part-time job, he can't be the used car salesman that's always selling junk cars to people that can't afford them. And then he's repoing them and he's a cheat and he's dishonest. Right. I said at the same time, he can't be a snake oil salesman selling these vitamins that'll make you live longer. And <laughs> when you know it's a scam. Right. Your pastor can't be that guy. And how many pastors do we know that are involved in all these get rich quick schemes, these pyramid sales groups, mm-hmm. all trying to get ill gotten gain? I, I may right. not be able to support his family, he ought to go work a job. But a pastor would be better served, Wade, being the door greeter at Walmart, making an honest day's pay for an honest day's labor, than he would be trying to make a quick buck selling something that would ruin his reputation. Sure, sure. Yes. So where do you think, you know, if, if I was a uh, maybe a, on a pulpit committee, what's one of the first things that I'm going to be looking for uh, as far as seeing some some fruit that this person has been God called? The home. Hmm. You need to look at his home. Yeah. And and the reason I say that, when you look at this list, and I'm using First Timothy, you could go to Titus one and get the same the same basic list of rules, just written a little bit different way. But there's a bunch of of one off commands, vigilant, sober, blameless, of good behavior, able to teach, given to hospitality, not given to wine, not a striker. These are all little short blips, just boom, 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 boom. Yeah, But then when you get down there, well, you have the husband of one wife. You can take that however you want. Uh, I take it to mean married once until death. Mm-hmm. But I understand good men disagree with me there, and it's not a stickler for me if it's each church can, can be aut- independent and autonomous. But when you get to verse 4, it says, One that ruleth his own house, having his children in subjection with all gravity. So here we have to say, the home has to be in order. If you're divorced and you may love the woman you're with and she may love you and y'all may have a great marriage that lasts till you both die, mm-hmm. but your home's not in order if somebody else is raising your kids and you get them every other weekend. Mm. Your home's yeah. not in order if, if your children are being raised by a stepdad. You see, th- right. this is a, an important thing. It goes beyond just husband of one wife. It really goes to the heart of the of the home. Then when you get to verse five, 
Paul makes it clear. For if a man know not how to rule his own house, how shall he take care of the church of God? Mm-hmm. So the, the man is the head of the home. Right. So the husband of one wife is not the only prohibition on a woman preacher. It actually goes back to the structure of the home. Wait, I know, and don't mention any names, and I won't either, but I know that you know some homes where the wife ran everything. Mm-hmm. She was loud. She was obnoxious. She overruled her husband. She called all the shots. If a church gets a pastor whose wife is in charge of his home, they now have a pastor whose wife is in charge of the church. Yeah, very true. Think about it this way, Wade. You and I both know, and don't mention any names and I won't either, homes (laughs) where the kids run the home, Mm -hmm. where the parents are, are just following the kids around from activity to activity to activity. They're missing church. They're over here. They're over there. We've got to give these kids all we didn't have. If you as a church get a pastor that's being led by his children, your church will be led by his children. Yeah. You'll cancel Sunday night for the Little League tournament because those kids are more important. And and our number one priority is for the kids. Sure. But what you're teaching the kids is the Little League's more important than church, not that they're more important than church. Right. Right. So. That home is the one thing. If that family unit is not working right, that church is not going to work right. And I honestly believe that's the real reason why so many churches are in trouble. Mm -hmm. Have you ever heard a joke about preachers' kids? Oh, yeah. That's because most preachers don't have kids that are well-behaved. Yeah. Wow. Yeah, that's that's very true. It's a very important uh, uh, character trait or uh, a... you know, attribute of the pastor, if he's going to uh, be qualified, he needs to have his house under subjection because, as Paul said, if you if he cannot control his house, there's no way he's going to be able to control uh, a congregation of people who have different opinions and uh, they have disagreements. Uh, and you're always going to have this uh, this, you know, tension sure. within your congregation and, and with great people. And uh, so you add a, a fellow that cannot even control his home, the church eventually is going to be in, in chaos. Let me let me give you the other side of that coin, just so women don't think, well, he's just up there being a male chauvinist. If you have a man who is a dictator in his home and he is bullying his wife and kids around and they're walking around like a couple of whipped puppies because mm-hmm. he's so mean and obnoxious and is not caring for them, you're going to end up with a church full of people who look like a bunch of whip puppies under the bully pastor that they have. Oh, yeah. So the command for a wife to submit to her husband is as equally valid as it is for the husband to lay down his life for the wife. Mm. Now, church, if you have a pastor that's laying his life down, putting his own personal preferences aside for your betterment, when he makes a decision that's best for you, you should follow that man because he's doing what a husband should do in the home and he's doing what a pastor should do in the church and churches shouldn't tolerate a bully pastor that walks all over him and does whatever he wants and doesn't, doesn't recognize the authority of the church, doesn't realize the sanctity of the home and the sanctity of the church. So that's a fine balance. When we say, look at that home, Mm -hmm. I don't want a wife that's afraid to speak in public because she don't want to get in trouble from her husband. Yeah. Yeah. And in you and I, again, we, we know situations where that's, that's the case and, uh, where you have this dictatorial, uh, husband, dictatorial father that 
it overlaps into the, his church. The church cannot do anything without his approval, uh, without sad. him doing it and, and calling all of the shots. And it absolutely, uh, you know, he does not follow first Peter chapter five and verse one, where he is not to lord over the sheep and dictate right. the sheep. And so again, you look at the home and, and, and see there, uh, how he, loves and leads his family and if he doesn't then he's he's really unqualified in that aspect um what's some other things that you you brought out that i I think one of the big kickers for me is the little phrase there in verse three that says not given to wine and um it's real easy to say, well, he's not a drunk. Well, Mm -hmm. drunkenness is a sin already. That's already condemned in scripture. If you've got a pastor that's openly committing any kind of sin, he's not qualified to be pastor. It Mm -hmm. doesn't mean he's not a drunk. It means he can't be a bank robber. It means he can't be a pedophile. It means he can't be anything that's an open sin that the people can see. Yeah. So given to wine doesn't mean that he's necessarily drunk. It means to sit at wine. The old commentators used to say this, guys like like uh, Trap and Pool and Gill, they mm-hmm. would say he's not a tavern follower. Mm. We would call that a bar hopper. Yeah. Um, one of the old commentators said he's not a wine bibber. He doesn't sit around with wine. Pastors are not forbidden from drinking alcohol. Mm-hmm. Every Christian is forbidden from being drunk. The problem comes when a pastor says, hey, I... I don't have to be, um, I don't have to be a teetotaler. I I have liberty to drink. And so then he goes down and sets at the local bar and has him a beer of an evening and he just has one and he's, he's under the legal limit. He can drive home. The problem is if he's perpetually doing that, he has a reputation of being given to wine and wine here just simply means any mild alcoholic drink. Right. I, I heard a preacher one time. He said, well, I don't like wine. I drink beer. So that verse don't apply to me. No, it does. <laughs> it does apply to you. Yeah. If you drive by your pastor's house and he's on the lawnmower with cold beer in his hand, that's not a sin. But mm-hmm. if every time you drive by there, he's got a cold beer in his hand, he's yeah. not qualified <laughs> to be your pastor. Yeah, that's funny. And so I, I, I explained it this way in the lesson last night. I said, if you're over at your pastor's house and y'all are eating dinner, And he says, would you hand me the mustard that's in the fridge? And you open the fridge up and right there, top shelf in the door is a bottle of wine. You can't look at him in your Donald Trump voice and go, you're fired. Yeah, right. right. That's not a sin. Sure. But if every time you drive home at five o'clock, he pulls into the sportsman's pub and he's sitting there with a bunch of other guys nursing one beer. Mm -hmm. That's not the guy you want pastoring your church. And it's based simply on. He's a stumbling block to people who can't have one. Mm-hmm. And it leads to accusations of drunkenness, whether he ever drinks or not. Right. Right. And so I want to caution preachers, especially in the reform circles. Yeah. You know, they read that Martin Luther brewed his own beer and they think, all right, we're going to have beer parties. <laughs> yeah. No, you shouldn't. Well, we don't get drunk. Nobody should get drunk. You're called to a higher standard than the rest of the congregation. Right. Right. Does that make yeah. sense? I, I oh, mean, it, I, yeah. You know, I'm not saying a guy can't have a glass of wine or he can't have a sure. beer and can't keep it in his fridge. I'm saying you can't be given to that. You can't be known for that. You can't right. be recognized as that. Right. Yeah. Old Wade Lentz, he, he, he loves his beer, you know, yeah. or loves his wine. And, and that's, that's not a character trait that, 
anyone needs to see of any pastor. Now, years ago, I would have absolutely preached that uh, of, of being a teetotaler, and I did preach that. Uh, and uh, until I started reading scripture, and scripture itself does not forbid drinking alcohol. There's yeah. a lot of verses uh, that uh, you know that teach otherwise. But that's another uh, podcast episode for another day. We could yeah, we, we could talk a long time about that. We can't field all that hate mail in one episode. I mean, <laughs> what do you think about that? The desire in uh, chapter three, verse one. Right. The 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 first thing that a minister should have is a desire. Yeah. Did you I, I discuss really, that much? Yeah, I dealt with that in my first lesson. Chapter three or part three of our lesson was last night. So this would have been when well, we had a business meeting a month ago. I dealt with that. And this is basically what I can remember from a month ago's Wednesday night. And being a Baptist, I don't remember much of the last sermon that was preached. So because mm. Baptists typically don't retain anything. Right. That desire, Wade, is something that must come from God. Sometimes men desire it because they want to be in control of the church. Sometimes their wives desire it because they want their husband to rise to the top. Mm -hmm. Sometimes mothers and fathers desire it because they want their kid to make up for what they didn't ever do. Yeah. You can have an unholy desire to do it, but the desire is a God given desire. And so I tell people, if God's called you to do this, you're not going to be able to do anything else. And you say, oh, well, I've heard people tell me, well, God called me to preach and I, I never did do it. And now I've, my window of opportunity's closed. I think Jonah tried to close that window of opportunity, but when God put a call on him, he couldn't do it. Exactly. The people on the boat said, you, what, you want us to throw you in the, in the ocean? And he said, yeah, I'm the reason you guys are going to sink. I'm going to sure. die or go do what God told me. So if y'all just pitch me over, I'll die. Yeah, we pitched him over. God said, oh, no, no, I'm not going to kill you. I'm going to make you do what I told you to do. Right. And so the fish spit him out on the bank and he went to Nineveh. Jeremiah got mad. He said, I quit. I'm not doing this. Every time I preach, they hate me. They throw tomatoes at me. They cuss me. He said, they they, they throw rocks. He said, I, I'm not doing it. I'm mm-hmm. just going to go quit. I'm going to move up in the mountains and be a hermit and study the Bible. Then he said, I couldn't. I had a fire in my bones. That's right. the desire we're talking about. Yes. It's not a desire to, to take control of the church and be an authority. It's not a desire to, to appear smart. It's a desire to glorify God with what he gave you. And if right. you've got that desire, there's absolutely nothing else you can do. Sure. I think you also consider the context of of when Paul is writing this to Timothy. Um, in, in American Christianity t- today, it could be easy for us to desire you know, something like that, uh, something as the call of a pastorate, because, you know, we only work, you know, they only work two days a week. Yeah. Uh, and, you know, they get a salary and all of that. But think about in Paul's day, uh, <laughs> very few people would want to be a pastor of a church where the church was being persecuted and you being a pastor and overseer of that church, you would be held to a higher degree from the Roman government. of uh, of persecution. So if you had a desire uh, in Paul's day, hey, as the scripture says, you long for a great thing. And it's not because that you desire yourself. 
It's because God himself has called you and he's given you this longing. He's given you this heart to pastor people in a place that is not going to be easy. Yeah. And I, I've always said this. If you are pastoring a church and you do not have a God and you're not God called, uh, you are not going to pastor very long if you are pastoring a, a, a church that loves the Lord, that wants to follow Christ. You're, you're not going to G and Hall, as the old yeah. farmer would say. And uh, so there's something about that desire. It is not something that is just a person comes up with it themselves. It is God who gives them that desire right. uh, to do that. And, you know, I think it was B.B. King had an old blues song called The Thrill Is Gone, Babe. <laughs> yeah. Sometimes pastors can have the desire to preach and they can lose the desire. Sure. And many of them stay there just simply because they don't know how to do anything else. Right. There's no job opportunities for them. They're used to, as you said, working two days a week. Yeah. And they don't love what they do. They don't love the people. They don't love the word of God. They're just going through the motions because they're in a dead end job. Mm -hmm. And I think anybody out there, whether you're a pastor or not, if you're not a pastor and you're still listening, you probably know what it's like to be in a job where you don't feel like you have any way out. There's no better job available. You can't make this kind of money anywhere else. Yeah. Pastor, I'm going to tell you if that's you and you're in a church and you're tired of, of ministering to the to God's people, you're worn out. Everything is a burden. You've lost your joy. I want you first to get down on your knees and confess that to God and say, Father, Give me the joy of serving you through the local church again and ask God to search your heart, find out what's wrong, find out why you've lost this desire to serve him through serving his people. And perhaps he'll give it back to you, but perhaps he won't. Perhaps you never had a genuine desire. You've just done this so long. You don't know how to do anything else. And it's a burden. Then here's my advice to you. Get out. Yeah, You will be happier with a secular job, sitting in Sunday school class and sitting on a pew with your family than you will ever be trying to do something that God hadn't gifted you to do. It is it is toilsome. Yes. But to us that are called, there's nothing else I'd rather do. Right. There's, I mean, I can be in the most difficult situation, surrounded by people that disagree with me, arguing over doctrines battling for a church that's on the brink of closure and I go home at night exhausted, mentally drained, spiritually tired and say, boy, there ain't nothing else on this world I'd rather do than, than labor for the Lord in this situation. Mm -hmm. And I can't explain that any other way than God has equipped me to do this. Yes. And I, I'd be as foolish as Jonah to attempt something else. Yeah. And if that ever starts to wane and I ever start to lose that, I go to my knees and say, give me that joy back. Mm -hmm. That's and, good. Uh, that's my appeal to you out there. If you've lost the desire, if the thrill is gone. Yeah. You could probably do the BB King voice better than I could, Wade. But or if you if, lost that love and feeling. <laughs> yeah. You lost that love and feel. There you go. <laughs> but we can lose it. Yeah, absolutely. You can gr grow weary and well-doing. Elijah went out yeah. and sat down under the juniper tree. He lost that love and feeling. Yes. Yes. But the Lord is able Right. Give it back to you. Absolutely. You know, we talked earlier in this episode about uh, the supply chain shortage of certain items. Well, there's there's a shortage, you could say, of, of pastors as well. And um, so we, there's something we need to pray for, that God would raise up 
some God-called men uh, to to be pastors and to be preachers. And if we if we're ever going to see our nation revived, it's going to be through the local church. Yeah, and that is God raising up young men and men to supply these uh, churches with uh, yeah. with God-called uh, pastors. And, uh, you know, so it's, it's incumbent upon churches to utilize the scripture. God did not just fill in space with first yeah. Timothy chapter three and Titus was it Titus chapter one, Titus chapter I believe. one, six through nine. Um, yeah. So it, he wasn't just, you know, trying to fill up space there. They, God placed that there on purpose for the church to look at these men to make sure that they are qualified. Yeah. Well, it's been a good episode, uh, Harold. Do you have any final words? Yeah. If you are looking for a, a pastor, the first thing you should do as a, as a search committee is as best you can through questions, through answers, through reading the resumes, determine if this man meets the qualifications mentioned here in Timothy chapter, 1 Timothy 3 and Titus 1. And don't get caught up with how big his church was. Mm-hmm. Don't get caught up with the size of his Sunday school and if they paid off the fellowship hall while he was there. Right. Don't get caught up on how many deacons he ordained. None of that matters. Exactly. Make sure he's qualified and then look at that resume and look at it not from, uh, is he good enough to be our pastor? Look at it from, is anything in here disqualifying him according to what God said he must have? And if you can find a guy that meets all these qualifications, then that means God's called him. So what that also means is God will lead him. Mm-hmm. Because he's a child of God, gifted to do the work of God, the Spirit will come in and provide any physical deficiencies. Yeah. So quit trying to hire a CEO and try to try to find a a biblical pastor and trust the Holy Spirit to do what he can what he does. Amen. That's that's so true. Well, man, thank you so much for sharing with us what you have been studying at, at your your church. And uh we don't want we want to thank everyone for listening to the Patriot Pastors podcast, and we pray that you have received uh, some help from this, and, uh, and, and we were a blessing to you. Until next time, God bless you. God bless you.